with us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Lots of great things to talk about. Hopefully get to help your your listeners with their relationships, whether they're dating or whether they're in a serious relationship or considering to be one. Um, Got some great ideas. Definitely. People sent me a lot of questions. I know that a lot of my followers are in either... um, flexible relationships, we'll call them, or, you know, very committed relationships. So this will benefit, you know, everyone one way or another. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. So where are you from? So I'm actually, I'm from Los Angeles, California, and uh, actually was uh, raised here, spent a little bit of time for school back in Atlanta, which was wonderful. Hotlanta. Hotlanta. Yeah, definitely. From LA, it was definitely Hotlanta considering and, um, and came back here and worked on sort of finding my path after school. I was somebody who wasn't wasn't quite sure. Thought I knew, and I've taken a lot of twists and turns to get where I've where I am now, which was ultimately where I was meant to be. Just didn't really know that. Would never have guessed that actually. Yeah. So, like, how how long did it take you to figure that out? I guess, like, you know, for people who also feel that same way, like they're just really unsure as to what their endpoint is. Like, can it take? Is it months? Is it years? <laughs> uh, a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Is it a lifetime? Uh, <laughs> So this actually probably would be a lifetime um, for me, because if I had told my younger self at this point, this is what I was doing, I would have laughed myself out of the room. Mm -hmm. Um, This was definitely a surprise, although hindsight, which we always talk about being 2020, I actually see and can look back to see the signs were there. I just didn't know they were a sign at the time. Um, So I've, I've been across the board. I've done all different kinds of things. When I went to school, um, I went to Emory University and I thought I was going to go pre-med. That's what I started off. Uh, So very different. Um, I had a dream. I'm from LA. So I had a dream of being an actress, uh, but I said a reality of being a doctor because my family was not in the business. So I thought, okay, this would be another good thing. My entire life, I thought I'd be a doctor. Just kind of thought that's what I was going to do. Very quickly, first halfway through freshman year, uh, first semester, I realized that was not going to be the case. I realized my personality. I couldn't imagine being locked in my room for 10 years studying. The stress, the anxiety for me would have been too much. I was already felt like I was struggling with the classes, whereas I hadn't struggled in high school. College was a bit different in some of the chemistries. It was so much more intense. So uh, for the first time in my life, I was actually lost, which was actually scary. Um, My transcript for school was across the board. I decided to try a little bit of everything. Um, Ended up coming back to feeling if I didn't try the acting, um, I felt like I would always regret it and wonder what if. Um, I decided to try production. That wasn't going to work. So I decided to give it a shot. I came back to LA. Uh, that did not work out very clearly. Um, <laughs> I, but I needed to find a job. I was a personal assistant for ten years um, for an individual, and while I was doing that um, to pay my bills, I actually was looking for what I was meant to do. Yeah, I um, invented a children's product that was on the market for a while. So an entrepreneur. Wow. I worked as a club concierge at a, at the Ritz Carlton for a while, um, and a whole bunch of other jobs in the meantime. That is so awesome. You're so you have like such a well-rounded background. 
Um, very eclectic, I would yeah. actually call it, because there was some, I was a dinner cruise um, a director, dinner cruise director um, at one point as well. I've done crazy marketing, funny things. So I've done a lot wow. of different things. And it wasn't until I was 34, I'm 46. Um, I will say that. And I was 34 when I decided to go back to school to become a therapist. So you never, never know. And I was really worried to do that, to go back to school. I found a school that was going to feel right for me, um, being somebody who was an adult and um, was nurtured. And along the way, um, I decided that I really loved working with couples and individuals, but specifically about romantic relationships. And in my training and getting my hours, I found the energy, I found the interest, helping people with something that's such a big part of their day-to-day lives. If you think about it, not everybody, but a lot of people spend a lot of time either wanting to get into relationships, trying to figure out how to make their relationship work, or how to deal with after a relationship, so much of our lives. And so being able to help people with one of those pieces just felt incredibly fulfilling to me. And so I became, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and built my practice and got to be known for helping people with their relationships. And along the way, I decided that I noticed actually that most of my clients were wanting actionable steps. They wanted not just to talk about feelings, not just to vent, not just to feel heard, which are all important, but they wanted to know now what, what do we do to make a change? And so my entrepreneur brain kicked in and I started designing strategies with actionable step-by-step guidelines. And with those strategies, when my clients started implementing them, such as in this in this situation, when you are wanting to share this and your uh, partner is not wanting to hear this, try this step one, right. step two, part A, part B, and you can see how you can have more of a positive result. And when they started implementing new ways of, of being together, communicating, connecting or reconnecting, they were starting to see uh, results. They were reaching their uh, relationship goals more quickly than sometimes even the traditional therapy. I fell in love with this aspect of it. And we also are in a society of instant gratification. So having results more quickly was appealing to people that I then broke off my strategies um, and started offering them in my consulting business and started a consulting business. So now it isn't the therapy, it's this consulting where I tailor make programs for my clients, helping them find their actionable steps to create the relationship that they actually really want. That's wonderful. So, you know, it's so interesting because most people do want like a step-by-step process. It's so hard to like try to envision, you know, the advice you've been given and how to implement it once the situations arise like in the moment. So to have those tools, I can see that that would be so helpful. Um, And I just learned what a consultant is the other day. So basically like, (laughs) it's so it's such a broad term. I, and I know that it's such an important job, but I, I, so basically you're an expert in your field. You knew exactly the steps to take to help relationships. And now people come to you specifically to use your tools and your, um, like process you've created to help their relationships. Correct. I'm impressed. Yes. Um, Because it is. And, and actually um, I, I'm sort of designing this because 
because the path that I took, most people, you know, therapy, couples counseling, marriage therapy, marriage counseling, lots of different terms, um, very helpful. And for certain situations, certain relationships, it's absolutely what is needed first and foremost. And so if I talk with somebody who's interested in working with me and I really feel they need therapy, I will actually recommend them to go to therapy. And some clients start with me and then they get a jump start. And then they might need the deeper therapy and I'll suggest that they go to therapy and I can referrals or help them find a therapist. Right. So there is a big difference. So the therapy, oftentimes it's, it's the deeper, if there's been relationship traumas, it's getting closure, it's being able to really vent. It's really being able to feel heard. It's um, being able to find ways to be able to move forward unpacking a lot of things. It's a lot about the, the feelings, the emotions, um, the experiences. It seems like too. It is. And it's a lot about where the client is at and, and their, their process of it. It's a lot about process. Yeah. So, um, then there are coaches out there and coaches, which is another area. And that can be, (laughs) yes. And so that can be where it's a lot about, it is again about the agency of the client. It's also about meeting the client and the client having, having it within them. And it's helping the coach, helping bring it and draw it out within the client. And so it's, it's more about what the client knows and tapping into that and helping the client know because the client both in coaching and therapy knows best. So the strategic, my strategic relationship consulting is really about, I find clients come to me because they've tried everything that they can think of. That's what we do typically as humans. I don't know how to fix cars by any means. The biggest thing I know is gas tank. That's about it. Yeah. Other than that, I'm going to an expert because I've exhausted what I know. So I find that when my clients come to me, it's because they don't know. They've tried a bunch of things and they need more direction. They need more of what can I do to make it better? And so what I do with my strategies is I'm actually giving them steps to do. And that's the difference with the consulting is it's really hearing from me. In my experience, these are the things that I see or I think can help you. So some of it is their core strategies. Um, a lot has to do with communication. Definitely. So everybody's heard communication is key. That's sort of like a saying. To me, actually, communication is the umbrella over an entire relationship in marriage. It actually is over our whole lives. Right. If you think about every single interaction you have every single day, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, it all is communication. If you walk by a stranger on the street, you're actually communicating, even if you don't say anything. If you don't look at them, you're communicating something. If you smile at them, you're communicating something. Now, what you're intending to communicate and what the stranger receives, that's a whole different story. But there is a type of communication that's happening. Right. So now imagine your relationship everything you're in doing with the person has some type of communication. So now look at the amount of times it could possibly go wrong if your communication isn't strong. And the good news about communication is it's a skill. So it's not genetic. I'm five, one, that is what I'm going to be unless (laughs) we get older, if we shrink, but basically I'm five, one. Right. So communication isn't genetic. And so we can learn it. We can strengthen the skill and we're never taught it. Typically we only typically absorb it 
from what's around us right. oftentimes with what, when we grow up. So oftentimes clients come to me and communication is at the core of starting because if, if there isn't a strong communication, how are you going to have productive conversations about sex, about intimacy, about finances, about kids, about marriage, um, totally. about emotions and needs Right. And so a lot of what I do is making sure the communication is strong. And then we utilize that strength and that skill to be able to look at the other areas. So that's perfect. That honestly brings me into my first question, which is, you know, what is one and it may be a step that you have, you know, part of your process or just one tip in general. But what is one thing that you feel that every relationship should could implement that could help them? Okay. So yes, you're right. It's, it was a great, it was, it, that's a great question. And ultimately it is the communication. Good. Um, if the communication is off, I mean, how many times have you, have you either your experienced yourself or heard about where people are getting into arguments and they go, it was over the stupidest thing. We fought over a parking space totally. and, and then they say, and then it escalates so fast and we're in this huge argument and, and we don't even know yes. why. Yeah. That has to do with communication. Right. Even over your day-to-day small things, it's going to be about communication. Now, the parking space was not probably about a parking space. There yeah. was actually other things. But the way you communicated what you were trying to communicate and the way the person heard the information changes what can happen as a result of, the, of what you're saying. So there's something about timing and there's something about how you share information that makes all the difference in the world. That makes and sense. Often, and oftentimes we either, we, we, we mess up or we don't realize one of those two things. And so it's recognizing how can we say what we want to say, especially if we're going to say something that the person isn't going to want to hear, right. we're giving a constructive criticism, or we're telling them something that we want they're not doing or something that they're doing we don't like. As humans, I believe, this is my belief, we don't like to hear that we're, do, we're not doing everything as best as we can, even right. though we know it, right? right? We know, and we sometimes even know when we don't do something right, right? Yeah. But hearing it from somebody else doesn't feel right. good. Feels terrible. It really, it does. It's like criticism, you know, it just feels, you already know. So to then it almost feels like an extra layer to know that someone else has noticed. Exactly. And so what happens when we don't, feel good. Something comes towards us that's negative. We have reactions to it right. and everybody's reactions might be different, but right. it can be a reaction. Once there's a reaction, it's very hard to have a conversation that's going to go somewhere that is going to end up with a resolution. And that's what I talk a lot about with communication. There needs to be resolutions with communication. Otherwise, most likely that topic is going to keep popping up over and over and over in your relationship. It might look a little different, right. but at the core, it's going to keep popping up. So recognizing I need to approach this conversation and be strategic about it because my goal is to have a resolution. Yeah. So, and those two pieces tend to be timing and how you say it. You want to make sure and try to make it so that it's easy for the person to hear. Right. Because like we said, people don't like to hear negative things. And also that they're in a place that they're going to be able to take it in. Meaning if they're stressed out, if they're exhausted, if they're trying to get ready for a Zoom meeting or right. going out with friends, probably not good times because the chance of you reaching a resolution is not going to be as high. Yeah. So finding that timing when it can be really focused on 
And then thinking about how can I phrase this? How can I word this so that the person is going to be more receptive versus immediately getting defensive. And there are strategies or specific steps um, to be able to do that. And um, it's it's a bit more involved, but to to give just a little quick a little quick tidbit for for your listeners. Yeah. If you explain why, it is going to make a very big difference. And not because I like it like that. Because because that's how I feel. Um, or just just do it. You know, if you want to make me happy, then you'll just do it. Those are not wise. Wise are because when you do this, it makes me feel like I'm not a priority because it makes me feel like you don't value my time because it makes me feel like you're not considering me when you're making decisions because it makes me feel like I am less than. Right. Those are real core whys. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, and what happens is when we start to explain something that we want or we don't want, we tend to stay on the surface. We tend to stay at, well, it feels like, you know, you, you're taking advantage of me or you're, that's a little bit deeper, but it feels like, you know, it's just, it's just not nice. You're not, you know, or I asked you to do this so many times. Why is it so hard for you to do it? You know, I like it that way. It becomes more about a preference. It becomes more like a, okay, I like to put the kitchen ladle soup next in the drawer next to the stove because it's super easy to use. Well, somebody who's tall might like it in the cabinet above the stove because that's easy for them. There isn't a deep-seated need for those. Those are a preference. And one could say, well, why not come over to my side of the fence and do it my way? Well, why not just come over to my side of the fence and do it my way? Right. Now you're just talking about an I want versus an I need saying, well, when you don't pick up after yourself and I've expressed to you that that's important to me, I feel like it makes me feel like you think I am just have all the time in the world to pick up after you. It makes me feel like I'm supposed to be your house cleaper. It makes me feel like you don't value me for more than just taking care of your needs. It makes me feel like you think um, my time isn't valuable. Makes me feel like you think that what's important to me isn't important to you. Those are going to be deeper versus just, can't you just do it? Or I just like the clothes in the hamper. Right. Well, I'm okay with the clothes on the floor. Why can't you be okay with the clothes on the floor? But if you explain it as when you leave the clothes on the floor, it makes me feel like it's my job to do this. Yes. That I'm less than. And the impact that might have on a partner is going to be much greater than just do it or just don't do it. Right. You know, it just comes to my mind as we're talking about this. It's so interesting that it seems like, um, and this is broad, so apologies to men in advance, but it almost (laughs) seems like women are like better at communicating in general. Like I've almost never heard like either a male partner or even like a friend mention their male partner able to pinpoint like what is truly going on. So it almost makes me feel like I wish men had a basic communications course that they had to take like right before. So you'd be surprised. So I'm going to actually say, I know that tends to be the, the thought that yes. it's men, men versus women. Um, but it's actually not really always the case. Um, it actually, I see it go both ways, but what I also see even more so 
is one person might be better at one part of communication than the other. So one person might be good at timing Mm -hmm. and knowing when to have a conversation, but they might not be so good at approaching how to have it. And the other person might be um, really good at how to say it, but their timing is just off. So some people get really anxious having something bothering them and they just want to tell their partners, right? Right. And I just need to tell you. But if they tell them at the wrong time, it could go into an argument. It could go and spin out of control. And so that doesn't mean that person, just because they are able to voice their feelings, doesn't mean they're actually really great at communication. They have a piece of it that they are better at doing, but does not mean that they are a great communicator because timing is important. So, so and, true. and somebody who goes, who knows how to find the time, but isn't able to either get in touch with the wise or express themselves as well. They also, they have a good piece of communication, but they are not necessarily the best communicator. So I tend to like to back off of men versus women yeah. and look at what are your strengths and what are areas to work on within communication? It's very involved. Although yeah. once you start to look at it and understand it, some of with my strategies, cause I do break it down even easier. Um, it, it becomes much more manageable. It becomes much more like, Oh, okay. And that's where I do wish there were courses starting in elementary school. Yeah. Where kids started getting life skills, uh, learning how to communicate, learning how to deal with finances, budgets, insurance, all of these things. And as you get older, you you increase the depth at what you're learning. Um, But I do think everybody really needs to be able to start learning early on um, because it's just a really tricky one. Right. Because once you get ingrained in communicating badly, too, there it is. You know, like that's a habit. It's very hard to break. You know, and some people um, that, you you know, if you come from a house where everybody, you know, let's say maybe there's a lot of kids and the only way to be heard at the dinner table is if you talk really loudly. Right. That that can be off putting to other people who came from a house that was very calm and quiet. Right. And it can feel like you're really angry and mad when you're actually not. You're just talking in a way that you've learned. That's how you get hurt. Yeah. So there's really lots and lots of nuances and a lot of what we learn and gets ingrained starts from when we're pretty young. And so it's kind of looking at, well, what did we learn when we're younger that works and what do we want to work on because it's not working any longer? Right. Wow. That's really powerful too, because I think that, you know, we're meant to change as we get older. Like we're meant to look back on the things that we've accepted that our parents do that work maybe works or doesn't work for them. But, you know, we have the power to make some changes, um, you know, yeah. to really have a healthy life. Absolutely. And it's, it's really healthy to do that. When your child, you're in their house, they've learned a way that works for them. They think it'll work for you. Right. Hopefully many parents, maybe not all, but many parents do the best they can. And so it's not about blame. So a lot of people don't like or talk about therapy even, oh, you're just going to blame the parents and it's all going to be the mom's fault and all of this. The way I look at it is it's not ever about blame uh, or typically not about blame. It's really about understanding and going, okay, this is what happened. And maybe in that moment, that's what they thought was going to be best. Hindsight 
hindsight, maybe they even realized it could have been different, but they were doing the best they could. But if we understand why things were happening, what we, what we learned and we go, okay, that was then, that was what was there. Now let's look at my life and my life is different now. At the time, there may be things that I needed to do as a child to exist in that environment, right? So let's say a parent um, tends to get angry and yell a lot. Well, that child may learn, okay, I don't want to hear that. That's really uncomfortable. So I'll be the jokey kid, right? I'll be the one who always makes the jokes. I won't share my negative feelings either because I don't want to set off my parent. And so I just, things are going to happen anyway. And so the least amount of negative things so I will keep that all to myself. So right. I actually praise that our children version of us mm-hmm. because I go, you found a way to manage within a certain circumstance that was out of your control. So good right. for you. So instead of getting upset, oh, I can't believe I never shared. No, good right. for you because that's what you needed to do. Right. Now you go, okay, as an adult, I'm no longer in an environment where people easily yell. Maybe I have a partner who actually is asking for my feelings and is really calm and is really supportive. So that what I did before is no longer necessary and it's actually creating problems in my relationship. So now I can work on letting go and working on a new way. Yeah. I love that. That's really, that's really beautiful way to look at things instead of feeling so um, like down on yourself or critical, you know, because I'm sure that there's a piece of people who already feel that way as they're watching themselves and hearing themselves have the same reactions over and over. So, you know, that's a really gracious way to look at your partner and, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, essentially. Yeah. You know, we tend to blame ourselves for a lot of things, but you know, we got through to where we are today. So we did something that got right. us here. Yeah. And now maybe we can find new ways that make our lives even better. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about something fun. Yes. So, okay. Yes. So my followers want to know what has social media as a collective done to relationships? Like, you know, it's a social media dominant society. What is that doing to us? Um, okay. I know it's supposed to be fun. Um, yeah, yeah maybe not fun. <laughs> um, my honest opinion is it's not been helpful. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's been, um, there's a lot of detriment that's come from it. Yeah. We tend to be an even more so and more so as we go along a comparative society. And what that means is, is my life good enough compared to somebody else? Am I, am I, am I good enough? Is my relationship good enough? Am I far enough in my career? Am I successful enough? It creates the idea of should. Yes. Should I be um, more successful? Should I be getting married now? Should I be having kids? Should my bank account look like, should I have already gone to the Maldives? You know, should I be having all of my um, vacation pictures looking amazing? Right. Should he be posting me more? Should I be posting him more? Exactly. So it's no longer about us as individuals and, and individuals within couples and what an individual couple looks like or relationship. It is about me within all of this, this society and what society's dictating that it should be. This is the way it should look. This is what will make you happy. This will is what will make you successful. Yes. This is what a, a successful, happy relationship looks like. The problem is what you don't see is 
five seconds before that vacation picture with the couple and the two kids, the kids were screaming and running around and the couple was angry with each other. And then somebody oh, said, okay, everybody. And everybody went smile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that creates this feeling of, oh my gosh, our vacation was such a disaster and da, 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 da. We had moments of happiness, but there was so much arguing and that couple look at, they're just happy all the time. That family looks happy, yeah. but you didn't see the five seconds before the picture. Yeah. So it creates this feeling of a lack of a less than it creates self-doubt, self-consciousness, um, self-criticism, both for yourself, in your life, in your relationship, instead of going, what do I want? What feels good to me? How am I actually feeling in this moment? So somebody can be like, I feel like my relationship is really strong. I feel like we're doing really well. And then they go and they see somebody on a vacation or they see somebody who just started a business together. They start all this stuff and all of a sudden they go, oh, Maybe I'm not so happy. Maybe my relationship isn't so good. So we need to start, we need to get back to focusing on how we actually feel, not how we should be feeling. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like we've almost like lost autonomy in how we're feeling and like everything is dependent on like what's in right now. Like what is, what is someone else doing? You know, if you're having a good day, And then you hop on social media and see that someone else isn't at work. And instead they're on a boat, you know, well, suddenly you hate your job, you know, like it can go so fast. You know, you take a picture and you think, you know, oh my gosh, I'm having such a great hair day and my outfit looks so great and everything. And you post and you wait for your likes and your comments. And what happens? COVID happens. And so people are not on social media for that hour or two or day or week and you don't get them. However, had you posted that pre-COVID, maybe you would have gotten thousands and maybe it would have gone viral. I don't know. But but life, something happened more important in life that people were focusing on. So you started off your day feeling really great. You posted it. And then by the end of the day, you feel awful because you didn't get the validation that this was a good picture. However, it has nothing to do with the picture. It has to do with People were looking at what was happening in the world. Yeah. So it's not even accurate. However, it can dictate how we feel and our moods. And that then affects us. And then it can affect our partner. It can affect our kids. It's this, um, it's this tumbleweed effect. It just, yep. it snowballs. The um, cycle, it seems like. It is. And it's really unfortunate. If you think about, well, you're probably too young to know before social media, before all of that. Right. You didn't know what was going on in the people in the state next to you or the people in the city next to you visually day to day. Right. You maybe knew news, but you didn't know that, you know, the Joneses were doing, you know, were on a trip to, you know, to Spain or something because it wasn't being posted. You just knew your life. You knew your friends. You knew the people that had lives like you. Right. And that was it. We now see the entire world. Yep, it's too minute much. Minute to minute life. Right. And people tend to more so post the positive things. There are some people that are more vulnerable or have moments of the vulnerability where they post it, but people are often wanting to show the positives um, more so. So we don't get the full picture. So unfortunately, I, and there are some good things about social media. I will say that there are things we can learn. There are ways to connect that we couldn't connect 
prior to all of it. There are some good things. I do feel sometimes the negative though is outweighing, especially with when we look at mental health Definitely. and how, how it's become much more um, talked about. There are positives about it, but I think the non-learning and the, and the other aspects of just the fun posting is actually causing detriment to our mental, to a lot of people's mental health. Totally agree. And it's like, it's just so hard to get away from it. You know, like, it's like I hope we could change as a society, but I, I, once we're in there, it's almost like it would just get worse rather than better. I mean, and you, I don't know if you have friends or, you know, people who've taken like social media hiatuses and things and right. actually oftentimes what I hear is people feel really good. Me too. I actually feel really good. And then they're like, okay, I'm ready to go back on. And all of what they've let go of quickly can come right right back. back. But it just goes to show you how good people feel. Like if people weren't feeling good when they went on a break, that would be one thing, but most people actually feel better. Yeah. But because the world is operating on social media now, they get back on and then it goes backwards. Yeah. So running in line with that social media trend, what are your thoughts? And I sent you the clip about like shows like that, Love is Blind, um, Married at First Sight, like whatever you may have seen. What are your thoughts on those types of shows? Somebody could do a reality show of me watching it and just want to (laughs) yell at the TV. I would watch it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I watch some of them for, for fun, although it's not turned into fun as much because I get so, I get so frustrated and I feel so bad and I want to help. Like, I wish yep. I could reach out to all of the people either before going on the shows or after the shows or during to be able to be like, here, try this. This might give you a result. Although I know that defeats the purpose of the entertainment value. Right. But, um, Okay, so we all pretty much know they're not reality anyway. So let's start by just putting that overall. They're not reality. They are entertainment. We've all probably read the behind the scenes of how things are manipulated in one way or another to create some of the drama. So let's we'll just put that there. first. Yes. Then taking the step of, okay, if people are going on for the right reasons, which we also know not everybody does. Yeah. Um, how they're going about doing it, plus the types of shows. So let's look at the one that you had sent me the link for the ultimatum. Cause I, right. I'll be honest, I haven't watched it, but I've now read up on it and, and seen some of it. Um, and, and I had, I was holding my breath while reading because I couldn't believe what I was reading and seeing. Yeah. Okay. First of all, let's just talk about the idea of an ultimatum. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. What are your thoughts? No. Okay. So <sighs> imagine what does an ultimatum actually mean? So when you hear that word, what does that mean to you? Um, in a relationship aspect, like you do this or we split ways, like we part ways or you do what I'm asking, whatever that may be. Okay. So what does that actually mean though? You're forcing somebody to do something they don't right. want or they're not ready for. Exactly. So it's literally forcing somebody who is not ready for something. True. Which means, and, and I say that because you're either forced. So the example, there's a lot of different kinds of ultimatums, but let's say ultimatum of this, this show was marry me or leave me or something or break up. Yeah. Marry me or we break up. Totally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the person isn't wanting to break up and the person isn't wanting to marry you because they have not asked. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you are actually forcing them to break up or to marry you. 
So neither one is their actual choice in that moment. So how is that a partnership? How is that two people working as a team when one person is being forced to do something that in this instance, a marriage is a huge decision. It is a life-changing decision. Although I do think that the way people look at marriages is very different now than it used to be. And that's something that's a whole nother topic that I think is really important for people to start talking about is what marriage actually means now. The traditional way of marriage was people would get married and they were married for life, right? Yeah. Because now people are, it's easier and more accepted to get divorced. People are jumping in and out of marriages or even engagements much quicker. Yeah. So what does that mean though for the relationships? Should those relationships really have ended? Maybe they didn't need to if people put in put in or got the right strategies or things. Yeah. But it's so easy to go, ah, it's too hard and there's more people out there and all of that. Is it easy to jump out of? Yeah. Also, I think people are taking engagements. To me, engagements nowadays remind me of for a lot of people, promise rings. I don't know if you remember or if you know I totally rings. remember those. Promise rings were before engagements. Engagements were actually a commitment to get married. Like you got an engagement ring, you got married. Yep. Promise rings, promise rings were more like, okay, we are promising, we are on the track. The next step is going to be the engagement. But people yep. would break off promise rings, not yes. engagements. Yeah, you're right. So to me, nowadays, engagements are almost, it's almost like promising, like in becoming an exclusive, a more yes. exclusive, not necessarily we are going to get married. And I feel like there's a mindset shift a little bit. At least that's my interpretation of what I've been putting together a little bit more lately. Right. So with the show in terms of an ultimatum is you are not necessarily looking, that is not looking at a relationship and a partnership. Right. Now for you yourself to decide, I, I want to be married or I want to end this. That's different. I want to be married or I want to end it versus you need to marry me or propose or we need to break up. You're determining it for the other person versus determining it for yourself. Not somebody with an ultimatum, you're coming out with fists blazing. I mean, that's really what it is. You're, 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 you're going out swinging. Yeah. You mean business. You mean business and you've got to be ready for the repercussions. Yeah. And the repercussions could just be from the fact that you're giving an ultimatum versus having a conversation. An ultimatum is not a conversation. An ultimatum is just a this or that. So instead, why not have these conversations? Why not find out more? Why not look into it? Why not process it and find a path through it versus or this or that? Now, they might be strong. It might be, I'm 30, you know, somebody saying I'm 35 and I want to have kids and I'm concerned about, you know, biological and all of this. So I'm wanting to know where you're at and why you're there. And so as I read um, more about some of the couples that were on that show, right? it seemed like a lot of conversations could have been had or needed to be had instead of an ultimatum. Now, I obviously don't know all of what they had and maybe having somebody working with somebody like me who could give them strategies of how to have that communication. Also look at when somebody gives you the information, what does that really mean? What does that open up? So there's a lot that goes along with it. And so one of the people, one of the couples was um, 
that's what it was. One of them wanted kids and one of them was worried about having kids, but it turned out the reason she was worried about having kids was because she was worried that he was working so much. Did I get that one right? Yes, you did. Okay. Yes. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> so that's a huge conversation. First of all, <laughs> there's no either or with kids. Once you have them, they're, they're there. there. Now, and if you make somebody, if you give somebody an ultimatum and they decide to go along with what you want. So let's say, let's say, um, the, let's say a guy wants kids and the woman doesn't want kids. And the woman says, I want to be with you. So I'm going to have kids for you. Their life is forever changed. Yep. And they can't take that back. And the chance of having resentment later on is, is there. And, and it will be forever. Even if they get divorced, there is a child still there. And it is a big decision to have a child. It affects lots of areas in, in your life. And so there is a very big chance that there could be resentment built for right. doing that for the other person. Not always, yeah, but yeah. there is that. Now let's say it goes the other direction. And let's say um, he doesn't want kids and she does. And he says, okay, and she, and, and she decides not to have kids to be with him. Right. At a point, it's difficult to have children or meeting people or things like that if she changes her mind later on. Right. And that can be a huge resentment. It could even be if they stay together and then feel like she doesn't have adult kids or grandkids. That is huge. It is one area. Kids is one area. There is no compromise. There is yeah. not. You can't have half a kid or maybe have a kid. It's it's you have them or you don't. Yeah. And that's one area I talk to people about really, really talking it through to right. make sure you're on the same page. Yeah. Now with that couple, it actually sounded like they both, she was interested in kids, but she I think had so concerns too. About, about what it would look like. Right. So that doesn't sound like an ultimatum thing. That sounds like a, let's talk about how this could look. How right. can we make this work? We're actually on the same page of wanting to be maybe married and have kids, but I have concerns because you're going to work. So what is that going to look like? How can we look at what your work looks like? Can we look at, do we want a nanny? Can we afford a nanny or help? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that didn't seem like it needed to be an ultimatum, an ultimatum at all. So I was actually right. surprised that that's where they went and to go in for an ultimatum about kids. And you know what? I think he was the one that gave her one. So it just kind of shows that he, was like kind of unwilling to give her that reassurance of what it could look like in a positive way. I'll be there. Um, I'll help you. Um, work won't be as abundant when we have kids. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like that those conversations, like you said, weren't had. And instead it was just have them for me or we break up. Right. And so good for her for thinking it through. Right. Now, ultimately, I think I did see that they're pregnant. Um, oh no, they, they're not couple. pregnant. Thank God that was a different couple. Yes. yes. They went still not good. They went, they went and try and got some help, which was fantastic. Yes. I think they decided they were gonna have one kid, and then I saw something in quotes for now. Yep. So a question I have, and obviously we don't we don't really know the answer to is what kind of conversations did they have? What did right. they agree on? Did they talk through when the baby comes? This are going to be your responsibilities. This is going to be my responsibilities. This is how we're going to do scheduling. This is what we're also going to set up time so we can check in with each other to see how we're doing, how it's going. We're going to adjust along the way as life comes up. Like I, that, that to be sure before having kids. And then there was another one who also seemed like that was big problematic. And then they had, they got pregnant. Yeah. So, she was like, on, in their situation, 
Um, he wanted to propose and she was unsure if she could see a future with him. And it's so odd because in the show, when she was parted with another couple, she tried to have sex with him and you could tell the intimacy was like a very big thing. And then at the end of the reunion, she was like seven months pregnant with her first boyfriend. So they're a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, and the way the show is structured is now you're taking people who are trying to decide. So this is another thing is you're taking people who are trying to decide whether to be married or not and going, see what life is like without them. So instead of going, let's work on our difficulties, let's work on strengthening Let's bring a shiny new person that you've had no disagreements with. You've not had to have um, responsibilities or figure out how to manage life. You've not spent COVID together, you know, locked down together. Let's bring this shiny, shiny person that's brand new, that has a different body that you haven't been, you know, with. And, and let's put this in front of you and see if that's more enticing. Yeah. And see if that will help your relationship. It's just such a terrible concept. It, it, yeah, it's it's a tough one. If you're actually trying to see to help a couple, that that you're you're putting apples and oranges together. There's right. no way those would be couples that going to having like a couples consultant or couples therapist or something to help them try to figure out how to work through the ultimatum of whether they should be together or not. But you don't throw a new person in the mix. Um, My guess is what they were trying to see is if they were like, oh, my gosh, it's worth working on with this person because I don't even have an interest in this new shiny person. Yes, that would be a guess I would have. However, if you are already upset that there's an ultimatum and you're already in negative space, the mindset of having something that could be fun, right. it just seems like way too way You're too so much. right. It's just such a temptation that doesn't need to be there. It's an added layer that could ruin your relationship. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it did for, for quite a few couples, you know, it really it, did. And then others that seem like there needed to be more. Now, the one with the baby, they did go to couples counseling, which I think is excellent. I I give them so much credit for doing that. And hopefully they were able to talk through everything. And then that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, The other couple that got back together, that one I think was very confusing to me because it seemed very clear through the whole thing that they were not happy together. Agreed. They were somehow not only together, but they were having a baby. And I will tell you this. Once you have a baby, you are connected for life. It's yes. not even just 18 years because eventually there's going to be graduations and marriages and grandkids and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So you will be seeing this person for in forever. your life most likely, <laughs> or you are going to be making it very difficult for your children if they're having to pick and choose and figure that out. So true. that person is going to have something to do with your life forever. So making sure you want to be forever connected to somebody before getting pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, uh, listeners, listen up. Don't have kids <laughs> unless you're ready. You know, it's it's so important to be ready. I also want to let, oh no, go ahead, you first. I'm sorry. I was just going to add to that when you said listeners, make sure. Also, huge, huge thing that I suggest, premarital pre-engagement. Just make sure therapy, coaching, consulting, what I do, it's not only if you have a problem. 
Right. Okay. It actually can be, if you are doing things doing well, it can be to take them to the next better, better level, but it also can be for premarital and pre-engagement. It's a way of, if there are difficulties trying to work through them. And if you can't better to know before, but, um, and if you can, it shows and you learn ways to be able to work through things. But if things are really good, it's a way and an opportunity to check in. Have you asked all the questions? Do you know what the plans and expectations are? Uh, do you know everything you need to know about this person? Have you really delved into everything? Because what I say is when you say I do, this is my belief, is right. I do isn't the full thing that you're saying. The words are I do, but underneath it, it's really I do accept all of you. A-C-C-E-P-T, accept all of you. It doesn't mean you have to like all of it. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you are accepting it. So if you have any problems, you want to make sure you address it before because what happens sometimes is some people get married and then they bring up something they don't like and the person's like, you never said this before. This is right. part of this is part of me. All of a sudden, this is a problem. So yeah. you want to be able to say, I do accept all of you. And that also means we've talked through everything to know what we're expecting of each other and of this marriage. Yeah. And so, so knowing what you're getting into. You do, but you also have a plan. So how are you right. going to handle finances? What's going to happen if one of you loses a job? What do you, where, what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of future do you want to have? Do you want to have kids? How many kids? How are you going to raise them? What is parenting going to look like? How involved are the in-laws going to be? Um, what is religion going to be in your family or not? Um, really? All of these different kinds of things planned ahead of time. And that's asking a lot of questions. And sometimes it's easier and you're on the same page. And so it's just confirmation that you've talked it through and are on the same page. Other times, maybe you haven't thought of it. And so it just gives you an opportunity to talk about it. So I am a huge advocate of pre-engagement, premarital. And I even say pre-engagement because it's an investment in a ring. If if you do a ring, it's also an emotional investment. Yes. It's an exciting time. It's something to experience when somebody proposes to you. And so if you're, it's really not going to work out, would you rather not go through an incredible experience and then feel the loss? Better to find out beforehand. Yeah. So, um, so yes, pre-engagement, premarital, if you are married, getting some help, some support. Um, if the type of support you're looking for is more, how do we do things differently? What can we change? What can be changed and how? That's like kind of like what I do and yeah. with the, um, the strategic relationship consulting. Yeah, so no, how do people find you? I want my listeners to know where can they find you? How can they reach out to you? Because I think a lot of people are gonna hear this. It's gonna resonate. And I think they're going to want to work on their relationships and get those steps to help them. Wonderful. Well, um, I would be happy to talk to people to see how I can best help them. Um, I'm passionate about helping people. So please do feel free to reach out. My website is my name, stephaniemintz.com. And on there, there's a form you can fill out. You can see a little bit of information. Um, My um, Instagram is stephaniemintzconsulting. Um, I've got Facebook as well. But the best way to reach out if you have any questions or you want to talk about working together and seeing what a program, because they're all tailored, please feel free to go to my website and, um, and fill out the information and I'll get back to you as quickly as I can. 
Perfect. Yeah. I think that everybody should at least check it out. I think that everything you said is so helpful. I think that communication truly is the umbrella that's, you know, over a relationship, even over friendships. So I personally will be, uh, inflecting, reflecting on my (laughs) communication styles, both of them. So thank you for all of your input, all of your advice. It's all been pertinent to what I wanted to find out today. Wonderful. I will say one last thing too. If anybody who's listening is single. Yeah. One of the areas that I do find is making sure you're meeting somebody and giving yourself the best chance to meet somebody who is going to be your best match. Yeah, And so I actually do work with people who are looking to meet somebody to help them with strategies to set them up for the best chance of success and meeting somebody they will match up really well with. Wow. There is less, less conflict, less difficulty going forward. And so it's a good, it's good to start before you even meet somebody to really set that up for success. That's awesome. That's, I think that a lot of people who are single are really confused about what they want. So when they're dating around and, you know, finding suitable partners, they're not even sure whether this checks the boxes or not. Some of actually, um, there's some percentages and statistics. And one of the highest reasons that is cited that people, um, that people get divorces is incompatibility. And what that means oftentimes is Finding out, and I'm a believer, find out as early as possible so that your emotional energy isn't isn't taken on the wrong person, that you can spend the time finding the right person. And so that really starts when you are single. Yeah. Is there like a compatibility test that you can take with your partner or how, how do you know, you know, other than feeling? So it's, it's communication. It's asking questions. It's really getting to know somebody. And what I find is we don't, people aren't always asking all the right questions or in the best ways. I know that goes back to that other, but there's also ways of finding out about somebody that aren't necessarily like, I'm not talking about a resume swap. Like that's no fun when you go on dates, you know, but there's other ways to find out more in depth about who somebody is um, in terms of conversations and the dates. And I have strategies um, to help with that. I have, um, it's called, um, a dating GPS. Cool. And so there are ways to be able to help yourself find the most direct route to the best person. I love that. Well, I'm definitely going to pass that along to my single friends. My co-host is single. So I'm going to tell her to check this out as well. Oh, absolutely. Have her contact me. I will. I totally will. Well, thank you for your time today. Um, thanks for coming on positively uncensored. It's been super fun. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was, a, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully it was able to help some people. Absolutely. I'm sure that it will. Um, I'll give you feedback as well. I'm going to link your website in the episode description as well so that people can find it easily. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. You have a great rest of your Friday. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.